0: Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. It's your good friends, NJ and AJ, back again to talk about the Christian life uh, on this podcast. Um, my uh, day job, uh, podcasting is my night job, but oh. my day job is um, teaching about the Bible. And so naturally, uh, I talk with students, uh, I talk with my family about what the Bible is, um, the reality, AJ, as you know, uh, as you know probably all too well, as a long-tenured pastor and and Bible professor and uh, participant of the church R- is— World-changing theologian. World-changing so theologian. Uh, what you hear from your assistants then <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that— um, Okay, so I'm going to use a little bit uh, of uh, Mark Twain here. Mark Twain says a classic is a book that everybody owns and nobody reads. Mm. And um, you know, so there's all these jokes about the Bible's in danger of becoming a classic. Mm. Yeah. Because we have, you know, the the you know, the grandparents' heirloom Bible. We have um, you know, statistics about three point five Bibles per household or whatever it is. I probably have thirty Bibles in my office just because I get free ones sent to me sometimes. Um the reality is, uh, Christians will say two things. One is, the Bible is the most important thing in my life, the most important document in my life. Number two, I almost never read the Bible. And you and I both have kids, uh, at, uh, and and we probably experience the same issue of how much to have our kids read the Bible, and especially children's Bibles. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on how bad children's Bibles are because mm-hmm. they just cherry pick these stories. They leave out most of Paul's letters. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> At least they leave out most of the, of the, of the uh, stuff of the Bible that doesn't have miracles. And then they just focus on, you know, Jesus doing some miracles here and there. And then you're left with the kind of punchline, and Jesus is God, the end. Yeah,
1: the, they're not covering the, the genocides or Canaanites or the yeah. divine violence. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, no, no, and nothing, you know, nothing that makes up the majority of the Bible, which is just the ups and downs of, of, yeah. of the people of God. And so that kind of leads to the question, you know, I love going back to basics, and I'm sure in your classroom you do this too, but like, why do we read the Bible? You know, the way this relates, I think, to our conversation about faith and doubt is um you could probably see in the lives of of Christians who are starting to wane uh in their in their walk. They're slowing down, they're kind of removing themselves from the yeah. Christian community. Probably they're not reading the Bible either. Yeah. Or or they're they're slowing yeah. down and reading the Bible. And maybe it's a nice time to be talking about why do we read the Bible? Because I feel like for too many people, it is just sort of a uh, a thing on the checklist to do, you know, read yep. that devotional statement for the day. You know, I hate those um, devotional Bibles, maybe the Bible in a year Bibles, because they'll have a reading and then they'll, I don't know if you know, this is AJ, but they'll have like a, um, a sentence in bold. That's meant to be like the main thought for the day. And what I hate about that is they're basically telling you, ignore all the other stuff. And once you get to this, this one sentence is the important part. Mm. And that kind of drives me crazy. So this takes me back to Eugene Peterson. He has a really nice book that I recommend that everyone uh, reads called Eat This Book. And it's basically his take on uh, Lectio Divina, spiritual reading of the Bible, um, and he has this great illustration at the beginning where he's at a park, I think, with his with a grandchild who's really really young, like three years old, and his grandchild is holding uh, a Bible and kind of just running his fingers across the lines. And uh, and and Peterson asks, "What are you doing?" Or or the the grandmother asks, "What are you doing?" And he says, "I'm reading," even though he can't read, <laughs> and he's just sort of scanning the lines, pretending to be reading as if this is something adults do. And Peterson takes that as a moment to say. Uh, is this what we do with the Bible? Mm, We just kind of numbly scan the lines and do what I call passive reading and just get through it because it's kind of an obligation. Mm. Uh, God doesn't want that. Uh, We don't want to just read the Bible as an obligation. So is there a better way to do it? Go. (laughs) Go.
1: Um, well, okay. So you brought up like a bunch of things there that I want to respond to before we dig into the That's response. Fair. Okay. So the the first thing is the Bible and I've heard it said many ways, but you know, the Bible is the most bought book, the most bought least read book in human history. Um, I think it's something like 70 million copies of the Bible have been sold in the last decade or something like that. Sure. I mean, it's just, just this obscene 70 billion. I mean, whatever. It's just a lot of copies if this doesn't even count the electronic versions. Right. Um uh and but and, and even the, despite this proliferation of translations and availability of the Bible um we're not reading it and and the truth is, you know, every what few months I have this annoying little thing that iPhone sends me that I'm supposed to agree to the contractual terms of what it means to be an iPhone user. And I have to scroll <laughs> yeah. down to the bottom and say, I agree. I've never once read the thing. Yeah. I mean, they could put in that thing and you owe us your children and we would owe because it's a signed document. I mean, it's so I, that thing I don't read and I sign it and I agree with it. I mean, I don't read it and I agree with it, but the Bible's become this document that for many people, we don't read it and we disagree with it. Hmm. And it's rejected without even being given a fair shake by a lot of my students. The amount of students that come to my classes, undergraduate students, who have just written the Bible off because they saw one YouTube video that claimed the Bible was homophobic and uh, Uh, racist racist or whatnot. They've never read the thing. They watched a YouTube video or some Joe Rogan clip, and they've written the whole thing off. So that's a problem because the Bible is the book there is no book that's shaped human history more than the Bible. Right. I mean, there's no question about, th- about this. And so there's, I think there's a sense of shame that we don't read the Bible as much as we know we should. So we have Bible shame. We have Bible shame. Um, but I think on top of that for Protestants in particular, and I'm an evangelical, I'm, I think, I think still I, <laughs> evangelicalish, I think would be right. the, the, Um. there's not only shame, but there's been a really unhealthy idolatry of Bible reading in our tradition. I mean, we could, you know, evangelicals, Protestants, you can be Luther all you want, get down on, you know, the Catholic view of penance and paying your way out of purgatory or whatnot. But let's call it for what it is. The, I mean, our obsession with having to read the Bible, Protestants have a penance too, it's reading the Bible. And, and as a result, um, be it penance or indulgences it's it's our way of making our way to god there's a lot of shame and a lot of undue spiritual pressure that our entire relationship with god is dependent on this one activity when i ask my students it's so funny when i ask my students how is your relationship with god and they say i haven't been reading my bible right that's telling <laughs> one one may wonder if perhaps we've put just a tad wincy too much pressure on one singular activity right. and yet good lord do we need the bible it is it is life i mean it is um the words of our god i mean it it is the we need it so desperately so a lot of this for people in deconstruction and doubt is overcoming a the shame yeah and b overcoming the undue spiritual pressure that comes for us. A lot of us pressure to have to make our whole relationship about how devotions went this morning. Hmm. So what you're inviting us into Nijay, is to consider how in the world and why does the Bible matter for people walking through doubt, deconstruction, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So why do you, I mean, you, you spend your life translating Greek and knowing the nuances of Paul's grammar, how in the world you sit down and read your Bible just to hear the voice of Jesus in the midst of your brain doing
0: what it does? How do you do that? You know, I I have to confess, you know, you have to put yourself in a particular mode when they read the Bible to know God and to be known by God. And so it, I think it's helpful just to say there are different kinds of reading. Yeah. So for example, um, you know, reading an Ikea instruction manual, <laughs> right? You know, you're reading carefully because if you mess up, you got to start over, right? So it's yeah. a very particular kind of reading.
1: To say nothing of the fact that it's written in Swedish. So that makes it all <laughs> it the more It has pictures though, it's yeah.
0: helpful. Uh, however badly drawn. Um, so that's a different kind of reading. When you're reading um, a poem, my son is into poem writing, uh, which is cool. And so when I'm reading one of his poems, I'm reading differently, hmm. right? I'm reading slower. I'm thinking more through what went into this. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's young and he's trying, and um, and and he's wanting to create something beautiful. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read it differently. I, I'm a cultured person, AJ. So no question. Okay, this is actually my wife, but I went. So the Van Gogh living exhibit I don't know if you've seen this advertised but you go into like a convention center we went to Oregon Convention Center and they project Van Gogh's work on all the walls in this big room in these massive sizes and they kind of morph and shape into different things and so you're meant to interact with that work in a more contemplative way mm. Right. than you would just looking at a food menu. Yeah, right. Right? So, right? so in the same way, there are different kinds of reading. Gotcha. And when I'm learning Greek, right, I'm, I'm reading the Bible in a particular way. I'm analyzing this, net, this and that and the other. I don't know if we've been taught in formal ways or in, in really intentional ways. I don't think many of us have been taught how to read the Bible for the purpose of knowing someone better.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Right? And that's a, I didn't read, I, I, I will just confess, no one really taught me that in seminary. Yeah. I went through four years of seminary. Syntax, grammar. With y- y- being y- able to do y- all y- the academic me- mechanisms yep, yep. to do good, quote unquote, exegesis. And I actually got pretty good at it. And only later on when I was teaching, did I encounter Peterson's work where he really hit me over the head with, okay, um, there's a different mode yep. that you operate in when you're listening to God. Yeah. Is it kind of like this? I
1: Rene Girard is a, passed away a couple of years ago, but he was a, a French uh, philosopher who writes about what he calls um, – the second naivete, which yeah. is, there's, there's one way of reading that's kind of the academic. You shred it, you rip it apart, you test it, you push it, you kick the tires. And that's a good work. We need to do that. I mean, we need to not shred the Bible, but we need to come yeah. to it and, and ask big questions and push and challenge yeah, nice. and all that stuff. But there comes a point after all that hard work, right, of, of the kick in the tires, where you stop, you lay down your hard work, your exegesis, all this stuff, and then you come back with what he calls fresh eyes, mm-hmm. the eyes of a child, you do the complex work and then you let the complex work go, go and come back and just allow the simple voice of the text to speak. Yeah. And so as it comes to reading scripture, you're not saying there's anything wrong with doing the work of exegesis or no. translation or Greek or that's actually really I beautiful still do and that good. Work, absolutely. Can't. But that is fundamentally different than coming before the text as a child of God and saying, Father, what are you saying to me today? It's not fundamentally different. It's just they're connected, mm-hmm. but they're not the same thing.
0: Right. And it's different kinds of learning. Uh, one learning is more kind of memorization or right. uh, kind of right brain analysis. And, but, but you know, when I'm hanging out with UAJ AJ for coffee, Right. I'm not like, okay, I need to get all the facts of yes. all of his life down right now. He's yeah. gonna talk about his kid, he's gonna talk about his wife. Right. You know, I'm more just like, I just want to get to know you better. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe you tell the same story yep. yeah. that you've told me before from your It's childhood. never
1: happened, but it could happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then and I'm not gonna be like, AJ, I've heard that story. Yes. Don't yeah. tell it again. yeah. I've already input that information in my brain. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't discount the importance of getting the facts right. Like when yeah. we're
1: together, it's actually important that you honor who I am, sure. that you know about yeah, me. Absolutely. But there's a difference between knowing about me and knowing me. That's right. So yeah. so you're you're saying that there is a side to reading the Bible where we're getting to know about God. Yeah. But there is a side of reading the Bible where it's knowing God.
0: Oh, I you know, virtually every church I go to. So, I'll, I, okay, let's go back. Let's go back. I feel like I should be laying on a couch to go back into my childhood here. But...
1: Welcome here, child. <laughs> for, for it is in the. There you go.
0: Okay, let's go back to college. And I went to this church in college, and um, they, after church, they would uh, have a Sunday school that went through an academic New Testament introduction. I just thought that was the coolest thing hmm. that they would kind of go, kind of academic hardcore, and be going through, uh, you know, a, a nine hundred page. New Testament introduction that the people of God want that kind of learning. So I, every, you know, virtually every church I go into now, I like, I wish they would have more rigorous Hmm. learning. So I totally value that. But I think, you know, given, you know, my background as, you know, an intellectual, you know, kind of get the good grade Asian kind of person that I am. (laughs) Like, I think I went into Bible reading as a younger person, just wanting to make sure that I have all the right answers. Yes. Yeah. that, you know, and some of us grew up with Bible quizzing, and memorization and drills. I don't know if you did any of that, but no. I was I was kind of in that world. No, but like it's all about achievement. It's all about knowledge. It's all about memorizing uh, facts and figures, and you know the different books of the Bible and all that. And I value that I've learned some of that stuff, but. I stopped there Hmm. and I didn't actually go to the next uh, maturity phase of what you're talking about of um, really listening. So, you know, you're a good Pentecostal AJ. So, uh, you know,
1: that's right. I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I'm affirming It took a while to think through what you you. meant by that. But,
0: but, but you know, it's interesting if you've read the Bible before, you know, let's say Matthew, let's say the Sermon on the Mount. uh, Why read it again and again and again? If it's only about collecting the information, yeah, yeah, um, you know, you want to take it to that next level, yeah, of really encountering God. Yeah, yeah.
1: I love how um, uh, uh, I think our, our my friend Tim Mackey, who who runs the Bible Project, uh, one of his consistent themes that he's always talking about is the description of Scripture as meditative literature. Hmm. Um, meditative being. Um, and in that book, by the way, eat eat this book. Uh, Peterson talks about the Hebrew word uh, in Psalm one, which is uh, blessed is the one who meditates on God's mm. word, God on, on on God's law. Meditate, haga, haga is the same Hebrew word in Isaiah for a wolf that is growl that is chewing a bone. Yeah, that's and right. Peterson talks about meditation is gnawing. On scripture. Yeah. This idea of meditation scripture means you don't read it one time. You 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 compost it in your heart and your mind. You turn it over yeah. and over. You gnaw on it the way a dog gnaws on uh, a, a, a bone. I love that description of meditative literature. Mm. I like to think of it this way, of scripture as God's e- everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> the more you suck, the yeah. more flavor there is, but you just got to keep going you can't do one reading you've got to just bring yourself to the text over and over and over again he,
0: uh, Peterson also uses the language of metabolizing yeah, scripture yes. into acts of yep. healing and service and all this stuff which I think you know once we start using these more organic metaphors we get closer to um, why we why we engage with scripture someone who's helped me a lot on this is a scholar named Luke Timothy Johnson yeah Catholic uh, scholar brilliant. Brilliant historian, theologian, uh, likes to ruffle feathers and and upset uh, consensus views. He wrote a really powerful book I recommend everybody reads called The Creed, where he basically talks about uh, why we commit ourselves to uh, the traditions and scriptures of the faith. He's specifically talking about the Apostles' Creed, uh, but he also talks about scripture and you know, this may be a simple idea, but it was really profound to me at the time. He talked about how scripture is like a world that we step into. Mm. And once we step into that world and allow it to have an impact on us, then it it shapes who we are. Yeah. Uh, and I think of C.S. Lewis, uh, the Narnia books, and, you know, you wonder what exactly is Lewis trying to communicate uh, with Narnia and, and this and that. And what's obvious is the point is not that these kids in the human world stay in Narnia, yeah, but rather once they step into the wardrobe, once they step into Narnia, they come to realize some truths yeah. about who they are as you know royalty, who they are as leaders, who they are mm-hmm. as people with power, and then they can step back into they come the back. human world, yes, with that with those attitudes, dispositions, motivations, resources. And in many ways, I feel like scripture is like that. It's a world that we step into yeah, where we're kind of radiated yep. by God's wisdom, grace, truth, conviction, knowledge. Uh, and then uh, we go to work, we go to school, we're with our families, we're with our communities, and we can live in light of those things. And when I think about, okay, I'm not, I'm going to stop reading the Bible for a while because it's become… You know, kind of a a boring routine. I think about how things impact us. You know, I sometimes binge watch Netflix shows. I'm sure you get into some of those modes too. Have you ever had this experience, AJ, where you kind of you have a show that you're watching like every night or you know several times a week, and let's say it's a darker show, and, mm-hmm. it, and it 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 kind of sticks with you, like yeah. it kind of casts a pall yeah. on your day or sure. your week or your month, sure and you come to realize we as humans things stick with us they imprint on totally, us yeah uh and the same is true for scripture too you know if 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 we're just reading one verse a day and it doesn't mean much to us that's not really going to have much yeah. of an effect on our life yeah but if it's a deeper thing like this Narnia world that we're stepping into it's going to have a much richer effect on it's life.
1: almost like you're saying catch me if Nije, the it, it's okay to go into the prayer closet but you don't stay in the prayer closet. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta come out to be that. Like we don't go to stay, but right. we go to be transformed to come out. You know, it's it's a little bit like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can go to a pub and they smoke anymore. But at least when I first turned twenty one and I'd go to a pub a long time ago, you could still smoke in pubs, and you'd go in and spend a couple hours in there and come out, and you would just reek of <laughs> gross cigarette smell. Um, but the, there's almost this. Yeah, almost the aroma of Christ that, that is put on you when you spend some time in God's world. And it, yeah. it, it gets in your clothes and it gets in your skin and it gets in your mouth. You taste it. It's like this. It, but you're not. It, we're not called to just live in there. We're called to, to go, be transformed, and return to our world. Yeah. So what would you say, Nijay, for the person who was raised going to a like you? or whatever Bible (laughs) quiz world that you did. And there is a ton of like that sort of Bible trauma. I don't know if that's a word or something like that. I don't, not that the Bible traumatizes us, but maybe the, what we were forced into and it, and it hurt us or something, or how do you re-engage the Bible? Maybe when you've had the Bible shoved down your throat for too long, or you got Bible shame and you feel like, I don't know anything. And I don't, how do you start?
0: Yeah, well, you know, different things will serve different people's personalities. So one thing, if it works for you, would be to actually be in a group of like-minded people to talk about the Bible. You know, I mean, one of the reasons I love being a seminary professor is I feel like you know I teach three-hour courses once a week, right? Uh, I feel like it's three hours of bible study (laughs) you know i get i get paid to lead a three-hour bible study yep and a lot of it is like i do some teaching and then we just talk we just talk Hmm. about the text we talk about our feelings we talk about history we talk about culture and um you know i feel like i've grown up i grew up with bible reading being such an isolated experience it's not true for everybody some people they read with their family but for me bible reading was like you know Go to a coffee shop, you know. Put on some Yanni, (laughs) Uh, no Sandy Patty, and uh, and 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 read the Bible and have a quote unquote devotion, you know. Um, and I don't know if that works for everybody. Uh, I feel like some people, it's it's a good idea to get get in a group. Um, in terms of like where to start with the Bible. Probably not Leviticus. Yeah, (laughs) That's going to be a struggle. You know, I think if you've been away from the Bible a long time, you're coming back and you want to kind of dip your toes in, I think slowly reading through the gospel of John can only do Mm. you good. Yeah, There's so much beauty there. Um, Don't start with Revelation. That will (laughs) get Mm. a bit confusing. Um, But what I would recommend is um, probably having a group of people that you feel like aren't going to judge you. And and you know just share your thoughts as as you read through the Bible. What what do you think?
1: Does God get mad at us when we don't read the Bible enough?
0: You know I
1: I because there's a shame. Yeah. I I mean oh, yeah. there's this evangelical shame that I I I sentence so many of my students. It's almost as though God is scowling at you <laughs> if you have not read your four chapters of the Bible in the morning.
0: I mean we could say the same thing about praying or going to church. And you know I have children. You know you're in the same boat. I think about would I ever want my son to avoid me because he didn't do X, Y, and Z? Like yeah. that would be horrible. Like yeah. I, I want time with my kids. Like that's priority number one. So no, but at the same time, there is a question of maturity. Like as a parent, like I want my kids to ha- to be disciplined. Yeah, to be mature to To invest in doing the right things to set them up for success in life. Yeah. So I, I you know, I wouldn't. I, a lot of it is just your image of God. Yeah. And if your image it. of God is the angry judge, yeah, that's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, if your image of God is a your own parent, and you maybe had harsh parents that didn't really love you, yeah, that's bad too. Mm-hmm. So I would pick someone in your life that has been a nurturing but honest. Uh, mentor and try to have that motivate you know yeah. you more than just kind of this uh, angry you know white bearded yes know, yeah. Uh, yeah heavenly enrobed person mm. like maybe Dumbledore picked there you go <laughs> <laughs> how would Dumbledore <laughs> feel if you didn't do your yeah your Bible reading yeah
1: What seems to me I mean the, one of the first points you made was that there is an obsession with an individualistic reading of the Bible all alone by ourselves listening to some Phil Keggy background (laughs) and some coffee shop somewhere. Um, No doubt reading the Bible by ourselves is a fundamentally important part of a Christian's life, but it's not the whole story. Mm -hmm. And might it be actually that an individualistic reading of the Bible can often be the most fertile ground for heresy and bad ideas and ideas that don't reflect the community of God. We need people around us to be able to buffer our – because Lord knows we all love to read the Bible and frame the Bible around our personal experience. That's yeah. a that's a fundamental human – uh, you know, the classic uh, uh, Niebuhr line, God made us in his image, and we love returning the favor, that we love reframing the Bible around who we are. And one of the greatest ways to keep us from doing that is the community of God, a group mm-hmm. of people around us, almost an Inklings kind of group, right? C.S. Lewis and Jared Tolkien and these groups of people, they get together at the Eagle and Child in Oxford, and they would they would read each other's works and kind of be mean critique. to each other and talk mm-hmm. and critique, but man, alive! Those guys were mature. I mean, yeah, just yeah, we and we they loved each other, deep love, and willing to. I mean, there's this funny line where uh, I, I heard that Tolkien had been writing Lord of the Rings, and and he he brought some of his writings, and Lewis just hated like all the all the uh, uh, all the elves. He just yeah, thought yeah. the elves and and <clears throat> uh, Tolkien brings a, a set of new writings and. And Lewis just goes another group of stupid elves. <laughs> like he's just tired of the elves. Yeah. Um. But but you're matured when you're put into a community of people like that. Um. Doing it all alone just increases the possibility of a misreading the Bible. And potentially, um, putting us in a cycle of like making the Bible something God never wanted it, uh, m- never wanted it to be. That's. A- That's the difference between, I think, a healthy Christian discipline and an unhealthy Christian discipline. And you can apply this to fasting, prayer, I don't care what it is. Is the activity that you're doing something that you're doing to earn God's favor and love, or is it something you're doing because you already have it? Yeah. And when we're doing some sort of Christian discipline as a way to curry God's relationship, Mm -hmm. then we have wrongly misplaced that discipline in the place of really what you and I would call the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that it was Christ's life that makes us right with God. Yeah.
0: I I think another uh, problem, which I've experienced myself, is obsessing over quantity. quality. How much you're reading. Yeah. So you see people talk about, I'm going to do this in a year. I'm going to do, it's kind of like New Year's resolutions, right? Where you're like, I'm going to read the Bible three times this year. You know, I, in my world, which is the nerdy academic world, it's like, I'm going to read through the whole Bible in Greek or I'm going to, you yeah. know, translate the Bible, whatever it is. You know, I, I think that makes that the focus. Yeah. You know, got to plow through it. I've benefited the most personally when I've slowed down mm-hmm. and not felt the pressure to go fast or to accomplish certain things that are going to make me kind of just run right through the text. I think I've gotten the most out of scripture when um, I don't feel the pressure to accomplish anything, mm-hmm. Yeah, but really just to enjoy, enjoy what God is saying in the text. It's mm. good stuff. Sometimes it's not enjoyable if it's, you know, certain difficult uh, parts of scripture, but. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't
1: we actually need to read the hard parts of the Bible? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't that actually be a discipline that we don't, just gravitate towards the parts that we like, I mean in a marriage right i or 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 parenting relationship or friend relationship, it's healthy to go to the parts you don't want to talk about yeah you ne- you need to you need to go there
0: well my my wife and i well my family and I are watching through the Harry Potter movies we do that about once a year. Yeah, that's your uh,
1: discipline. You have a goal of watching it three times right. a don't you? That's yeah. right.
0: We accomplished. Check. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they progressively get darker and mm. more disturbing. Mm. Uh, even the point where some parts are almost unwatchable. Yeah. They're so dark. Yep. And it is this sense of like, you become so engrossed in the characters and the story. It, it's unfair to mm. skip their sufferings. Yep. I never thought about it that way, but like there's certain movies where we're like, oh my gosh, it's too hard to watch. Mm, yeah. And for example, I hope it's not a spoiler since the books have been out for a while, but the death of Dumbledore. Yeah. It's a bit. it's a big deal and it's a really sad moment, but it's, it's an important part of the story.
1: Yeah. Got to read up.
0: Yeah. Got to read it. Well,
1: um, I heard somebody say once hard text makes soft hearts. Um. Yeah. I I want not just the parts of God and I know this is true for you. I don't want just the parts of God that I like. I want God. Yeah. And not not the parts that like make me happy. I want to know all of God just like I want to be fully known by my wife. Um this is great. I actually want to go read my Bible right now <laughs> and listen to some Sandy Patty. Yeah. Uh, cause I, Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins. Some some the Yeah, Phil Kage. Um
0: First album of Jars of Clay. We could go all day. Cademan's
1: call. What else do we <laughs> Cadman's need? Cademan's call. Come on. Come on. All right, EJ, I love it. Good stuff. Thank you for inviting us back into a second naivete, back into the beauty of scripture.
0: I love it.